I'm talking with Emily O'Neill, lead developer for Harsh Generation. Emily, tell me a little bit about what is Harsh Generation? So Harsh Generation is my answer to all of the times that you want to play D&D, but you don't want to deal with the mechanics. Now, I love me a good crunchy game, but I also know a lot of people who don't. And uh, about five years ago, I started thinking about, well, first of all, I started creating the game because my wife said to me, hey, I need a world to play with and you like world building. And I went, that's a good point. I hate writing plot. You love writing plot. Let's put our brains together and make something beautiful. So I created a uh, post-apocalyptic, uh, theocratic wasteland, sort of, of Philadelphia. But it's not referred to it's not referred to as Philadelphia, though. It is referred to as Delphia. Because it's kind of like when you write a fantasy campaign and all of your elves have to have uh, apostrophes in their names. It's the same thing. You just have to cut the name down because there's no way people are still calling it Philadelphia. Okay. So I created that for her. She subsequently got distracted by other projects and I had a whole world on my hands. So from that, I thought to myself, well, why not try my hands at building a game? And Harsh was the first game that I decided that I wanted to try my hand at creating. Mm -hmm. It's definitely not the first game that I've played. So I had at least like a basis of understanding from like a, like a player perspective, but I had to go through a lot of learning experiences to uh, get harsh to where it is uh, today. And like five years later, I now have a lot of games under my belt, but I'm finally launching the very first one, which is um, both exciting and validating. And I'm so tired. <laughs> are, is this going into beta now? Or are you about, are you about to launch? Are we are in like a full full version now like what what is coming up exactly i would say that this would be it's 90 percent complete i'd say like pretty much everything that we have to complete is fine-tuning some things um mm -hmm. there's probably a couple of mechanics that i'm gonna change a handful of things but like the game proper like the mechanics the core of it itself and most of the details are all done so like i could hand somebody the rule book they could play the game there might be some typos and it might not be as pretty as i want it to be but like the game is is done essentially how long until you had like your first alpha or beta version? It was 2015, 14. Um, okay. I started basically right after that. So um, I would say that it took about, do you want to like, how long did it take from like inception to first game or? You, so you had the idea and then you had the world. How long until like a game was kind of being formed out of it? Or was that kind of from the get go? Uh, it was definitely not from the get-go. I was not planning on writing a game, uh, which violated one of the rules that both me and my co-creator hold dear, which is write your mechanics before you write your game world. So I definitely oh. wrote the game world before I wrote the mechanics. So uh, the Harsh Generation of 2014 is very different from the Harsh Generation of 2019. Okay. I can't really pin down an exact time at which... I think it was actually one of my coworkers who was reading it. It was like, this is really cool. You know, this would make a really good game. So he came up with some mechanics. They were... So crunchy that you had to have a $600 licensed program in order to play the game. So that didn't last oh, for wow. more than one campaign, but it did kind of uh, push me along that direction of, hey, maybe I can make a game out of this. So after that happened, I actually pulled Frisco on and he was like, hey, yeah, these mechanics are garbage. And I was like, that's fair. Can you give me some constructive advice about that? And four years later, he created a rule set for me. So, Okay, so, so who is Frisco? Oh, Frisco is my co-creator. He's um, the guy that I kind of pulled on after I realized that the initial rule set I had was untenable. Uh, Would have made a great video game, let's put it that way, but not a great pen and paper. Um, right. No human can do math that fast. <laughs> no human that I hang out with, at least. Um, 
And he came on and was basically like, hey, let's work at this from the ground up. He was sort of coming into like his game mechanical life as well. So we kind of grew together with Harsh Generation. And the game went through multiple different inceptions. We actually like to joke that we created a full separate game and then created Harsh Generation because halfway through the halfway through the creation process, we were like, hold on. We're creating two different games here. Do we want a game that is narratively driven or do we want a game that is mechanically driven? Because the way that we were creating them, they were kind of not working together. So we took all of the mechanical, like crunchy stuff and we set it aside and we're like, this is going to make a really cool game someday. We're not touching it in this game. And then we essentially restarted the game like two years in. Okay. It was a painful, but very um, like a pivotal learning experience, I would say. So tell me a little bit about the mechanics of Harsh Generation, of the current iteration. Of Harsh Generation is, I like to describe it as writing prompts the game. Okay. Basically, all of the mechanics are prompts or hurdles to uh, either hinder or inspire a character's narrative. So, for instance, when you start the game... Uh, all of your like scenes or all of your like turns are scenes. Um, and the entire purpose is creating a group story together. So the game itself is more um, group and like character oriented than plot oriented. You probably could weave a plot over it, but it's not like, that's not really the point. The point is that you're like developing these characters and having them walk through this world and basically try to survive through day-to-day struggles. Oh. So when you start your narrative it is you basically state what your goal is, how conveniently I have my cards right here. So you might say, um, Okay, there's a come on information broker who's sitting over here and is kind of looking sketchy, and you're like, maybe I can get some information out of them, right? So the uh, moderator, who is basically the DM, but not quite the same level of oversight and control as a DM. Okay. The moderator is like, okay, well, what's your goal with that information broker? So the storyteller is going to say, uh, my goal is to persuade them to give me information on the. Uh, the priest that is in charge of this particular town. Cool. Then you weave your narrative uh, and describe how you achieve that goal. So you might say, you know, I am, uh, I walk over to this guy and I, yeah, I say to him, Hey buddy. And I flash my, my credentials as a, a, a member of the church that he belongs to. And I say to him, Hey, do you know the guy who, uh, know the guy who, who's the religious leader of this place? And um, either the player or the moderator can uh, voice the NPC. Uh, it could be either or. I find that for the most part, people tend to ask the moderator to do it just because that's more standard. Um, so, you know, like the they'll respond, they'll talk, they'll work through the narrative. And um, as soon as the moderator or the player determines that they've reached that goal of persuading this individual, then they'll roll. So at that point, you'll roll and you don't roll to see if you succeed. You always succeed at your goal. So if you walk in and you're like, I'm going to persuade this person, you are going to persuade them. What you roll for is to see if there's a consequence to your actions. Okay. You might persuade this person and successfully get them to tell you where the priest is, but then they might bring you to the priest and verbally backstab you in the process, you know, and be like, oh yeah, you persuaded me to bring you to the priest, but also I'm doing it and telling them all of the dirty secrets that you just told me. Ha ha, you know. Gotcha. Up yours, basically. So the, all of the rolling and the mechanics are essentially to determine whether or not there's a consequence. And if you incur a consequence, then you incur stress because I suffer from anxiety and so do most of my friends. And gosh, I wanted to build a game about that. So 
you get a stress if you get a consequence. So your stress might be um, that the entire community now distrusts you. So you have to subsequently go through the rest of your, uh, we call them exploits, which are like sort of mini modules. And you have to go through the rest of that module until you hit the end of it with that stress of the community distrusting you, which is going to subsequently impact further narratives. Because if you try to then subsequently be- like befriend somebody, you're going to take a negative to that role because everybody distrusts you. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I get it. Is there a precedent, another game that kind of put this idea in your head? or? So it's actually really funny that you asked that because when we started it five years ago, our experience within the larger gaming community was vastly different than it is now. So we were looking at games like D&D. Um, oh my God, it starts with a P and it's basically D&D. Pathfinder. Pathfinder, thank you. I'm like, Pandemonium? Not Pandemonium. Very different game. So we're looking at games like that and thinking, well, there's got to be a way to tell a story without being hindered by the mechanics. Because a lot of times, you know, you'll be playing D&D, and if you don't have a good DM or your players don't really know what's going on, then the mechanics can kind of hinder you. So that was our experiences, and we're like, we want to create a narrative storytelling game. Okay. What we didn't realize is that there are already a shitload of narrative storytelling games out there. So we started Harsh not knowing that there were precedents. Once we realized that there were precedents for storytelling games, we found a ton of games that we gained inspiration from. So uh, one of the biggest inspirations, the Powered by the Apocalypse engine. So Apocalypse World, Monster of the Week, all of those games essentially were a really big influence for us. And actually, uh, we went to a gaming convention called Living Games, and we met the creator of Apocalypse World. Uh, Her name is Maggie Baker. She's a wonderful human, and we got drunk and talked about human corpses because she works at a museum and i'm a creep so you're a weirdo i know that was definitely a huge inspiration on um, that uh the fate core system was mm-hmm. less of a mechanical inspiration and more of a thematic inspiration like the idea that you could have a game where you could just kind of freeform tell stories and the mechanics would sort of flow in with that as opposed to be like a wait you got a roll sort of deal okay also rememorex i don't know if you've heard of rememorex uh, if you haven't, I can't say I have. You should. It is a 1980s. It is based in. It's like Stranger Things. If Stranger Things were a game, mm. it was kickstarted very successfully. It was like well, I think one of the most successful kickstarters uh, in like the gaming category. And two of my really really good friends were the ones who who created that, and they've been like helping us with the kickstarter and whatnot. But that's another really really good game where like the mechanics are just kind of seamlessly interwoven into the storytelling experience. So mm-hmm. I would say that. Harsh is closer to, like, Powered by the Apocalypse than that, because you definitely feel that the mechanics are there, but you're supposed to feel that they're there because they're supposed to inspire the stories that you're telling. Let's actually, let's talk a little bit about the Kickstarter. What is the Kickstarter for Harsh Generation? What's your goal? What's the what's the purpose of it? <laughs> because I am incapable of starting on Endeavors without having most of it completed in the first place, Harsh Generation is mostly funding for art. Okay. Because uh, I've got some art and it's amazing, but there's only so much I can pay out of pocket. And I've probably dumped somewhere near a grand on this over the course of like the five years that I've been developing it. So I am mm-hmm. looking to get more art to like flesh out the rule book, advertisement, and to pay all of the people who've been supporting me along the way and helping me, um, Frisco, etc. And I don't know, maybe I'll walk out with like a little bit of recompensation, <laughs> who knows. But for the most part, it's going to be like art and like finishing up the, the rule book into one really good cohesive package. 
when people pay into this, what are some of the perks they're going to get? Do you have any idea like what your starting level is going to be or, or like what your high levels are going to be? So some of the perks for Harsh Gen, since we're not doing a like a printed release, mm-hmm. we're just doing a, a PDF version. Your base pledge for $15, you get the full rule book. So you'll get the rule book. You'll get all of the supplementary cards because it's actually part card game kind of the cards are like your prompts okay you'll get the map you'll get all of the lore and there's a lot of lore uh all of the art all of that so you'll get all of that for 15 dollars in a, a pdf form there's also i'm going to try to have a special edition pdf that has like a special uh, a special cover that is specifically drawn for the kickstarter campaign mm-hmm. most of the tiers are actually custom aspects of the game so uh, each each game is created around the concept of a um, a crisis, and a crisis is roughly a four hour long gaming experience. So your crisis hmm. is something horrible is happening in the city. Um, the zoo is broken, and all of the genetically modified horror animals are escaping into the city. Um, something something along those lines. Like there's some big problem that if you ignore it and it doesn't get fixed, even if you live on the other side of Delphia, it's eventually going to screw with you. Hmm. So people kind of come together and the moderator asks questions, people build on these questions and they eventually come up with like, uh, the zoo is a good example, actually, like they, uh, what animals have escaped. And then you ask your players and your players will be like, um, there's a bunch of, uh, really fast, uh, poisonous frogs that can go invisible. Well, shit, that's terrifying. Um, you know, there's, there's huge two headed lions that have escaped, like stuff like that where the players kind of build this crisis. So the the crisis is like that huge overarching shell within which you have things called exploits, which is what I was talking about earlier, which are your like tiny modules that you play through. They're built similarly. Right. And they take place in individual communities. So you leave your crisis and you're like, cool, we need to go on a bunch of exploits to get the things we need to solve the crisis. So you're saying that a, uh, a full crisis is four hours long. How many exploits are usually within that? Usually about, I would say usually two to three. It can be more. Okay. So it really depends on the players. But the uh, Kickstarter is going to have custom crises where uh, you tell me what you want to see or like you tell me some funny things about your friends or a scenario. I write you a crisis surrounding that so that you can subsequently sit down with your friends and play through a crisis and like pull out item cards that they're like, wait, what? A broken sewing machine? Haha, <laughs> you're making fun of me. That happened to me last year. I actually did a birthday campaign for a friend of mine where all of the all of the features that we pulled were things that were basically just mocking them. <laughs> and they're like, come on! But it was really great. So I'm going to do that. That's one of the tiers. It's also a creative contribution tier. So if you want to like come up with a cryptid or a business name or something to put in to the, the game, then you like we'll talk i'll give you a template you fill it out it goes in the game for everybody to play with cool i will also write you a custom character with its own like each character has a special class so i'll write you your own class with your own modifications like body mods your own street smarts that only you will ever have so unless you feel like you want to be generous and give them to your friends they are literally you have the only person that has that so oh wow yeah so it's not going to go into the game proper it's going to be like you tell me your ideal robotic babe, and I will make that character for you to play in the world of Harsh Generation. Nobody else will have access to those mods unless you decide to give them them. Okay. That's primarily the tiers are just increasing levels of customization to play within the game. Okay. One thing I do want to touch on. So you mentioned about... So since uh, Mutants and Masterminds in particular is a game that we play online... Since this has, involves cards, how hard is it to play online, do you find? Uh, I will let you know after uh, May 18th. <laughs> oh, okay. 
I've never actually played it like via stream. I've only ever played it like in person with a bunch of nerds sitting around a table. Okay. So what I've been doing is kind of prepping all of my players like, hey, you're probably going to want to print out at the bare minimum these things. Uh, have them on hand. I actually um, I set up a card camera and I put it on my Instagram. If you want to look at how atrocious it is, it's a old coat hanger that has been like jerry rigged into holding a um, an old webcam. So it is embodying the the spirit of harsh generation because I just took old tech and slammed it into some scrap and set it on a piece of wood and it's going to work. So hopefully that will allow us to at least see the cards. I would say it's easier to play in person just because there are cards and like handoffs and whatnot, but I don't think that it's impossible to play via uh, via stream because it is, for at least for people watching, it is mostly about the storytelling. Like you don't really need to know what the map of Delphia looks like. It's mostly for reference for players when they want to decide where to go next. Uh, you don't really need to see the cards. They just tell you mechanics that you can play off of. So it shouldn't be a hindrance, but it's definitely something that I've had to work through. Okay, so you, you were talking, though, a bit about streams. What do you have coming up? So on uh, May 18th, we actually have the kickoff stream. Uh, it's going to be with Big Chainsaw Energy, which is A, the best Twitch name ever, and B, one of my best friends. And we are going to be doing a kickoff stream from 12 p.m. EST to 4 p.m. EST. Um, hop in for all some the game's kind of, it's just, it's storytelling. So, like, you might miss some of the story, but you'll get the rest of it, and it'll I'm definitely going to be dropping puns everywhere, so you will not miss those. This is going to be going out after that, so... Oh, it's okay. We're doing it every Saturday until the end of the campaign, <laughs> so... Oh, okay. How long is the campaign going for? Uh, campaign's going to be 30 days, so it's going to go from May 18th until I believe June 16th is the 30th day. I think it's a Sunday is the last day. Okay. So we will be doing every Saturday, uh, except for the Saturday after the initial launch, but we will also be doing every Tuesday with a different... Twitch channel called um, SideQuest RPG, and that's going to be 8 p.m. EST until 10 p.m. EST. So it's a total of, I think, seven seven or eight streams. I might throw another one in there because I've had like a huge response of people wanting to play, and I'm like, oh god, I can't fit all of you in, or like schedules aren't working, or whatnot. So I think I might throw in another day somewhere. It all depends on like how many spoons I have as somebody who is also working a full-time job, but the ones that I listed out are the ones that are definitely going to be happening. I will also have all of these on the Harsh website. So if you go to harshrpg.com, you can get all of the information there. You can contact me. You can buy the game. The quick start is actually available. Um, so there's a lot of information there as well. So if you're interested in following one of these streams or the Kickstarter, you can find information about that at harshrpg.com. All right, Emily. Well, thanks for talking with us. 